Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am a feminist, but when I clicked on a link to read a review of Women and Power, a manifesto by Mary Beard, I got distracted by an ASOS advert <laughs> for a red carpet, indecent, sequin shoulder pad midi dress, bought it, and forgot to go back to the book. I still do not own Women and Power, a manifesto by Mary Beard. <laughs> I don't even know what the... Um, there were some words in the middle that, I, that could have been another it language. An ASOS advert for... No, 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 I understand what an ASOS advert is. <laughs> I'm just, just going to give myself the, a run-up. What, what is a MIDI? A MIDI? Oh, a MIDI is um, it's not a Mini and not a Maxi. Oh, fucking hell. It's just below I, the knee. <laughs> I don't feel like that's helped that much. Um, it's, it's a dress just below the knee. That's what it was called. It was, that's what it was called. You go. I'm a feminist, but my two-year-old son calls Weetabix pick-a-bitch... Um, <laughs> and I've done nothing to correct him. <laughs> I think it's better than the original name. I think it, it should be the name of an app that people can use to <laughs> help them find a new bully. I'm a feminist, but when I realised... After I had purchased it, the ASOS advert was, in fact, not for a red carpet, indecent sequin shoulder pad midi dress, but that it was a red carpet, iridescent sequin shoulder pad midi dress. I decided I wanted it less. 
I thought uh, it said indecent, and I couldn't see any way in which it was indecent, but I just thought it was a hot name. No, yeah, I like that. It was the a idea, sexy yeah. name, and I thought, yeah, Ooh. I'll be in the sequined <laughs> indecent dress at this Christmas party. And it party. wasn't indecent, it was, did you say iridescent? iridescent. So shiny. You know so much about this sort of shit, actually. I meant to ask you before this started, but um, is there anything out there, like makeup wise, for um, winter pink ear? <laughs> it's just kicked in today. Does anyone else get this on a couple of woos, a couple of proud woos. My face can stay quite pale, but I get a very glowing... I get a winter pink ear. I will sort you out with some touche clair. Touche clair. Touche clair. That also sounds like you've won an argument. <laughs> a touche clair, my friend. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when I walk past chip shops, I mouth breathe. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether to put this in because I didn't know how unfeminist it was. But I think a real feminist would just have chips every time they want chips. But the problem is I, there's a chippy at the end of my road and I always want chips. And the only way to not go in is to not really experience the shop and any aesthetic of it. I don't just mouth breathe, I look away. <laughs> For other pedestrians, I'm a hazard. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... As happy as I was that Jacinda Ardern became Prime Minister of New Zealand last week, because it's so wonderful for her and women and feminism, I also thought, 37, is that not putting pressure on the rest of us for our careers? <laughs> Could you not have waited till you were 42 or something decent? <laughs> it's just too much. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> 37. <laughs> Running a whole country we've heard of at 37. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Really popular country as well. <laughs> oh, apologies in advance, this one's a bit long. I'm a feminist, but I had a really weird thing happen at a gig a couple of weekends ago. I was having a really lovely time at this gig, and there was a hetero couple in the front row, and about halfway through a 20-minute set, I asked if anyone in the room had also spawned, as in had children, and the woman in this couple said, yes, me, and I said, it's true, isn't it, what they say about it hurting? And she said, not for me, and I said, oh, was yours like an immaculate birth? Are you the mother of a deity? And she went, the mother of Satan, more like. <laughs> right, and I thought this was brilliant, so um, she then mumbled under her breath, I mean, I had a cesarean. But I was like, well, yeah, that's fine, but let's talk about this mother of Satan stuff, like, how naughty are your kids? And then... The bloke with her, her partner, kept chipping in. Every time I went to talk to her, he kept chipping in. No, she had a caesarean. And I was like, thank you, sir. I was actually talking to her, right? And this went on and it went on. He kept chipping in, right? She had a C-section, as if I hadn't understood what caesarean was. And so I said to him, look, thank you for your mansplaining. And that went down well. Um, and he was furious and said, I wasn't, I don't know, what is that? I'm just explaining to you the facts. I said, well, the thing is, I'm here to do comedy, not a TED talk. Um, I, the, the facts are irrelevant. I said, but thank you ever so much for your help, Poppet, and mimed patting him on the head. Later on in my set, he was shaking so much with rage. And he had on a pink shirt, and I said, I can't concentrate because of how angry this man still is. And that went down well. <laughs> And I said, you've gone the same colour as your blouse. Oh. <laughs> that was, and, that, and I moved on to another bit. Right? And then at this point, I thought, I could see his table shuffling. And it's right at the front. It's a very small, intimate club. And he stood up. He's shaking with rage. And he stood up and he stood by the stage and said, you think it's so powerful up there, don't you, with a microphone from the stage? 
And he stormed out and he gave all the staff the Vs. He flipped the bird to all the staff on the way out and everyone was losing their minds and it was fun, right? And it was <laughs> fun. I thought, what do you answer? And I did say, oh, gosh, I mean, I've really upset him. And we left it there. And I did say to it, I said, my favourite thing about this whole thing is how absolutely none fucks you give to the, his missus. And she was like, oh, it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's not the end of the story, right? So it's, a, it's the talk of the night. And then that's the end of that stand-up's a weird job, right? But then the next week, halfway through the week, I get an email from the woman who books the club who's received a formal legal letter <gasps> to her home address. No. The guy's a lawyer, and he's written to her saying that I physically assaulted him <gasps> and that I turned gender stereotypes on their head like some sort of modern sexist. <laughs> he called me Bernadette Manning. Oh! And said that I repeatedly mocked the difficulties that his wife had had in pregnancy and that I repeatedly hit him on the head. What? And what are they going to do about it? And this is why it's I'm a feminist Bart. As part I was going to say, is the this conversation, still a feminist Bart? As part of the conversation I had with that booker, I offered to apologise. Oh. I really want to keep playing that club. Oh, wow. I, she said, absolutely no fucking we. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, wow. I've never had anything like that happen before. And she went, oh, we got the shit all the time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Sorry, it's so long. No, I was gripped. I will do a final one, which is, I'm a feminist, but when I saw Joe Brand on Have I Got News For You completely smash it in the viral clip that you will have all have seen, I thought, this is great for feminism and it is great for women, but mainly, isn't it really nice to see Ian Hislop be 25% less smug for 60 seconds? <laughs> that was my main thing. It was nice, though, because it has been some years. Live from King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis-White and guest co-host Jess Foster-Q and very special guest Joe Brand talking about Weinstein culture, part Me Too. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Hi, Jess Foster Q. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Have you had a guilty week or a feminist week? Feminist week, I reckon, mainly. I have a hashtag nasty woman t-shirt and I wore it to possibly one of the most beautiful places in the world for feminism, a Zumba class. Oh. <laughs> because hashtag this girl can if it involves... <laughs> If it involves a little bit of gentle dancing with a lot of beautiful women in their 80s and 90s. Um, <laughs> grinding away, loving it. And an actual nasty woman was nasty to be about my hashtag nasty woman t-shirt. <gasps> really? And um, she just came up and went, oh, what a horrible t-shirt. And I was like, oh, oh uh, uh, well, the thing is, actually, uh, can, I just say, um, can I just say the word? And she was like, it's about to start. I was like... Okay, and I, between every bloody song, I'd be like, "Excuse me, can I just?" So it's a present, right? She'd be like, mm, "Okay," and I was like, <laughs> "And then in the end, like, I got so actually, it's like this thing in America, like when Hillary was and the debates against Trump, and he called her a nasty woman just for having a good point, actually." And I and, and she went, "Well, I didn't get the reference. I think you're just wearing t-shirts. Is that the label you want for yourself, nasty woman? Oh, actually, you're the nasty woman because you judge me for my clothes at Zumba of all places, mate." <laughs> That's an odd thing to do. <laughs> well, she just didn't get it. She thought I was walking around t-shirt that just said evil cunt. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> just 
realised just on the T-shirt, they said, guys, big warning, I'm a, I'm a horrible person. And, and actually, in her defence, that would be wouldn't be a particularly pleasant thing to watch someone No, wear. well, as that escalated... And I've made myself it, sound like I came out of this really powerful. At the end of the class, I walked into the gym to fill out my water bottle and saw that she was at the water fountain and went, fuck that. <laughs> and ran away. Yeah, I know that feeling. We're probably going to talk about some other confrontations tonight mm. because uh, tonight uh, we're doing Weinstein Culture Part Me Too. That's right, we've got a clever pun sequel title. Um, so we did Weinstein Culture Part 1 when I was in Sydney and we released that last week. And our guest tonight, very excitingly, is uh, this week's feminist hero, if you saw Have I Got News For You or, in fact, any of the viral clips... It's Joe Brand. She... I genuinely do feel that Joe Brand could not have come to a more appreciative, excited room for her Have I Got News For You actions. This is absolutely her core demographic for this week because it was a remarkable thing because I thought it was so direct and articulate and dignified and what I loved about it is she didn't let them rush her and she mm. didn't go, oh, well, I think you'll find... She was so calm about it. I was, oh, I was very excited by it. Almost sexually so. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage and make wonderful, guilty feminist woohooing noises for Jessica Foster Q. <laughs> so... I don't think this necessarily has to be an uncomfortable and sad situation, everything that's happening now. I think it could be the start of something quite incredible, couldn't it? Something quite hopeful, exciting and exhilarating. Yes? Yeah, the start of big change. Powerful place after powerful place is being toppled by tidal waves of allegations exposing cultures of sleaze, harassment and worse. Will there be no important place, though, that it turns out doesn't have, like, a seedy undertummy? Like Hollywood, Westminster, where next... Guys, say a prayer for Hogwarts. <laughs> There's no way Vernon Dursley isn't a fucking knee squeezer. <laughs> and if it turns out Hagrid's a wrong un, that will actually break me. God. I to eat my own soul. My money, if there's a sleaze bag in there, is actually on that sorting hat. <laughs> that sort of power has got to corrupt, hasn't it? We just need to count ourselves lucky that JK isn't a little bit sillier because we'd all be really panicking if she'd had it as sorting pants. <laughs> um, so I said that bit to my partner last night and said, do you think it's silly enough? Do you think it's silly enough that they'll know it's a joke and they won't be all tense about it? And he said, yeah, I really enjoyed it up until the bit where he said sorting pants. And I was like, what about if I said sorting dildo? <laughs> um, and he said, that's worse. <laughs> that's much worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got to be able to joke about this shit. I get a lot more done when I'm laughing than when I'm crying. Um, <laughs> but of course Westminster was next to be exposed as a sleazy place. It would have been so weird if it had been the one place that turned out not to have any of this scandal, wouldn't it? It would be like a plague had broken out and it turned out the only place that wasn't rife with it was in rats. Quentin Letts in the mail described the House of Commons as a vortex of anguish. And you thought I was being a bit of a prick earlier, I think, with that Hogwarts bit. But um, tell me the following isn't an insanely plausible book title, Harry Potter and the Vortex of Anguish. 
that could well be the next one. Um, but of course it's a vortex of anguish. I fucking love the idea that every creep everywhere is shitting themselves about being dug out. Ring, 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 ring. Hello, Boris Johnson here. <laughs> I don't suppose you've got any secret nuclear fallout shelters available? Yes. Marvellous. How big is it? Is there room for my friend Woody Allen too? <laughs> and his daughter? Oh, sorry, I mean wife. <laughs> I wondered where the hiss would come. And it was there. Tory MP Sir Roger Gale uh, said that MPs were on a hiding to nothing because allegations could be made which would be impossible to refute. Yes, and equally impossible to prove, you grisly, self-interested, tunnel-visioned head like a badly shaven nutsack. <laughs> and he's called it a witch hunt, what's happening, all these allegations in Westminster now. What? A huge number of allegations being brought forward and being asked to be properly investigated and taken seriously. That does no damage at all to our, I agree, totally sacred rule of law, the presumption of innocence. That's just humans behaving in a way that's fair and wanting the best, isn't it? Uh, it's not a witch hunt, Mr Roger MP for Thanet North, which was already where compassion went to die. <laughs> It's not a witch hunt. That is a very loud knock on the door of an out-and-out -out coven. <laughs> and now the door's finally been opened. It would be an insult to call you a nearlith, Mr Sir Roger Gale, because that period, 15,000 years before Christ was born, was actually an incredibly progressive time in terms of human development. <laughs> I don't want to tar those pioneers of early technology with the same brush as you. The Tory party wrote their first ever sexual harassment policy on Friday. <laughs> Seriously, that even shocked me. It's 2017, fuck my life. Well, they fucking written it in, hieroglyphs. <laughs> They're the 90-year-old virgins of morals. They've never even been kissed by a moral. That's not behind the curve, that's never having seen a fucking curve to the extent that the first time you do see a curve, of course you presume you're allowed to bloody touch it. Thank you. Maybe before we did our challenges, because yeah. they could create uh, discussion fodder. Yep. I'm sort of too excited to wait any longer. To no, I know, I know. Yes, please. Um, so... Our guest today is nothing short of a national treasure. A leading light of the 80s stand-up comedy boom, she is also a novelist, screenwriter, actor, and trained psychiatric nurse. Please welcome Joy Brand! Brand, so lovely to have you on the show. It's great to be here. I, I, Last week you were on Have I Got News For You and you were the only woman on Have I Got News For You. You were hosting it and there were sort of four white chaps around you. I heard it described in the newspaper as three public schoolboys and Paul Merton. 
<laughs> and what was that like for you when it happened? To be honest, I was really surprised that they were... Sur- not Quentin Letts, obviously, because mm. Quentin <laughs> Letts wants to bring back the death penalty yeah. and drown witches and everything you can imagine, really. But I was surprised that Ian, particularly, was so utterly dismissive of what was going on. I was really, really disappointed. Mm. And one thing that happens when I'm angry is I'm really inarticulate and I tend to go, fuck bollocks, that's a load of <laughs> wank and piss. But... Um, <laughs> I kind of somehow managed to control myself and put everything in the right order in the sentence. I'm not quite sure how. I possibly was on drugs, I don't know, I can't remember. (laughs) But, um, yeah, and I just wanted to make the point, not in a kind of angry way, but I, I always think if you can express it in a fairly calm way, it has a bit more power to it, It really does, doesn't it? Because you just take the emotion out of it and you just you say the facts as they stand and it's much more difficult for them to go, oh, you're being hysterical because you were really measured, really articulate and I noticed that none of them interrupted you and I was really surprised. But then Ian Hislop did say, oh, well, as you say, you're the only woman so it's not really for us to say that's rubbish, which was big of him. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, well, but it did, you know, he did say, yeah. yes, he could have completely dismissed it mm. because I was a senior charge nurse just before... I left. I'd somehow kind of managed to get that authority. And every time I do have I got news, they're always a bit scared of me, I think. Oh. And I quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> say, perfect. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell you my challenge as a sort of extension of this conversation now. I was interviewed because I was just doing a big tour and there was an article written about me. A chap approached me and said he'd like to do an article. And he interviewed me. And when it came out... The opening was all about... There was an episode that we did about orgasms and about women having orgasms. And in the context of the podcast, that's a terrific, interesting thing to talk about, and we were really open about it. But this was in the Sunday Morning Supplement, and it opened with, I never dreamed I would open an interview by saying, I've just been listening to orgasms. And it felt very salacious to me. And then there was something that I... I didn't want to say, but it was about oversharing on the podcast. And I said, yeah, there's one thing that I've overshared. But I said very specifically, I'll tell you, but don't, could you please not print it? Because I don't want it sort of all to kick off again. And he did. He, he said, oh, well, she said not to share it, but, you know, I won't say God. exactly what it was, but I'll say, you know, and sort of did share it. In print, um, he said, I'm not supposed to be writing yeah. this. Wow. And then said, um, he was asking me, there was a bit of stand-up I'd done about women and men masturbating on planes, and that the one thing about being a woman, if you're a cis woman, is that you can do it very discreetly. And <laughs> men often get told off in business class, apparently, according to a friend of mine as a flight attendant. They, are, they do tend to be a bit flamboyant about it. <laughs> Have you seen it, Joe? Have you witnessed that? <coughs> a man saying? wanking. On... <laughs> No, never. No, on a plane, I mean. <laughs> on a plane. No, on a tube. Does that count? Yeah. Oh, that's not okay. Years ago when I was a student and I was going on my own into central London from Uxbridge because I was at Brunel, this guy came and sat down opposite me and he had a book over his area oh. and the book started going up oh, and down. Oh, God. I know. And I thought, oh, this is so unpleasant. So I got up and walked down the carriage and there were only two other people in the carriage. It was a couple... And I said to them, do you mind if I sit here? Because there's a guy up there masturbating. And, and they got up and walked off as oh, if I was mad. that's not I know. good allies, is it? No. No. You've got a vision of filth with you. <laughs> you <laughs> I had one. This is 
where it was only a couple of weeks ago where I was on my own in a train carriage and a guy got on and there was no one else there and he started getting his knob out and I thought, God, just staring like really angrily out the window, like, don't look at him. I think they want you to look at them, don't they? And it's then like the chip shop all over again. <laughs> it's like, just mouth breathe through this. <laughs> and like, and then this is appalling. This maybe should have been a feminist part, but then it turns out he wasn't having a wank, he's having a piss. No. And I was like, oh, no. is there anything no. worse? My first oh, thought was London. God. He's taken one look at me and decided he'd like a public piss. <laughs> Um, but, uh, anyway, yes. the, the, I apparently, in this interview, he was asking me about this, and I sort of said, well, yeah, and I must have done a gesture and said, well, it's easier, you know, it's more obvious if a guy's going like that. And in the interview, he says, anyone sitting at a nearby table, by the gesture she does, would think we weren't getting on, or maybe that we were getting on really well, which implies that someone at sitting next table could have thought I was offering to sexually pleasure him and I was just like that was not what it was and it just really upset me and I wasn't going to do anything about it because I just thought you know you get that feeling if you're lucky to be interviewed you're lucky to be getting press you know and don't make a fuss just don't look at it and it'll go away but it really bothered me so I thought for this challenge I would say something because if I don't say something then he does it again and he does it again and he just doesn't know and I got the feeling that he was actually a nice chap but that's again it's just part of the culture anyway I don't get that feeling no I get the feeling (laughs) at all because you see I mean in some ways it's a fool's errand to say to a journalist please don't print that (laughs) because that's like giving them an invitation to print it if he's that sort of journalist which is who was it and asked it don't please don't go after him I'm going after him now (laughs) (laughs) it's um it's a new zealand publication and i was touring in new zealand good holiday in new zealand Um, (laughs) (laughs) if you're listening at home please don't go and find the article he wrote because i don't want more clicks on it and please don't write to him because it doesn't matter and i just don't want to escalate it i did think it was worth me writing to him i'd really prefer it if you didn't write to him because i don't want it to kick off so is that okay everybody don't go and find it i don't want it to suddenly get 10 million clicks that's not a good idea anyway he then wrote to me before the article came out and asked because weinstein happened and he asked me for a quote about weinstein And so that was in the article. And I was like, what you don't get is this is Weinstein culture. You wouldn't write that about a man. You wouldn't say, oh, I wonder if the person at the next table thought that we were getting on really well. I just felt like it was so sexualised. And most of the interview had been all about, you know, the podcast and feminism and that kind of thing. And it felt not right. So I wrote to him... um, about it. And I said, look, I think this is Weinstein culture. I think Mm. these things are. And I won't, you know, say everything I said or everything he said. But, replied. but he, reply? he replied and he said, uh, when you told me not to print it, I assumed you were doing a bit. What? Because um, he starts getting the transcript out and saying, you said this and you said that. So he actually gives a quote. So although you're recording this, I'd appreciate it if you didn't print it as you'll start it off again. And he writes, it seemed like you were doing a bit. How is that bit? That's not a funny bit. And then he says, your response to this article is exactly the kind of thing that makes intelligent, thoughtful men disengage from British-American feminism. The constant, exhausting dissection of the minutiae of our interactions with women, which invariably typifies as variegated sex pests... I want you to get this published. ...haunting some section of the Weinstein spectrum. The creation of terms like mansplaining which I had not used. It's just obviously something... I'm going to mansplain to him that his bollocks are coming off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
I mean, I mean, you could just splain. And terms like mansplaining, which I hadn't used, I assume it's just to be one of his bet noirs. Well, don't use and, it, because apparently it's well, assaulting it's, someone. Yeah, it's putting men off feminism. And Weinstein culture to umbrella infinitely complex modes of discourse, the selective recasting of women from confident dynamic beings to victims of manipulative cis male journalists as it suits. And I thought, hmm, that's kind of who you are then. Uh, he says, are you seriously equating a subjective salacious tone in one section of an article with the acts of a serial rapist? I know that you can argue that small actions matter and that this is all part of the spectrum of disrespect that feeds into a culture of misogynistic behaviour, but not all sins are equal. I'm like, but... I, I, yes, I didn't say you're Weinstein. I said this is part of Weinstein culture, the culture where women are always sexualized, where uh, salacious things are written. And he disagrees that anything he wrote was salacious, and that's his point of view. But I found... He said at one point... Bisha K. Ali was with me when I was being interviewed. She just had turned up for the show, and she was just hanging out with me. And I had said something like... We were talking about intersectionality and about the intersection of race and gender. And I said... Um, something like, for example, if I were to, you know, be attacked by a black man in an alley, he would win. But if I were to take a black man to court, I would probably win because I have, you know, white woman respectability on my side. And so there are imbalances in terms of gender and race, and we have to understand the intersections of that. Mm. And Bisha said, rightly, evoking a black man in an alley attacking you it sort of reinforces a stereotype. And I said, you're absolutely right, Bisha, it does. So if a black man were to try and take me in a fight, he would win. That's yeah. a better way of putting it. So I'd said that. And he sort of threw that up at me and said, this is from the transcript. What if Bisha had said to you, that's part of Confederate, you know, American culture? And I was like, well, if I'd printed it and a black man had written to me and said that, I would say, you're absolutely right, I'm sorry. I haven't written back to him, but I just thought, no, yeah, well, that would also be... Yes, I would be wrong. And I would go, oh, of course, I didn't realise how that could affect you. I'm very sorry about that. But he couldn't see that. And he said, to get this email from an affluent, middle-class, Oxbridge-educated white woman. And he said, I only say that to you, so you know how it feels when you call me a man. And I was like... <laughs> and I was like, like, it was an offensive thing. Like, you know, when you say, you know, you're judging me as a white man. And I was like, but I'm not offended by that because I am those things. That doesn't hurt me at all. I go, yeah, no, that's right. And that's why I have to be aware of my privilege because I do say things all the time on the podcast and people write to me and I go, okay, I see that, fair enough. And sometimes it is annoying, but you can't... It is, it is. But, but I can't deny... If you knew the amount of emails she got. If I, but if I, say, if I say... Do you see what I mean? Like, and I feel like he's just like ignored the fact that I feel these things. Either I'm lying or I shouldn't feel them. That's what he's... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a way, it feels like an extension of, I think, what probably in his lot thought his argument was. He was saying, oh, these things aren't that bad. And it's like, well, just because one of them is an accusation of someone having porn on their computer doesn't mean the other person accusation was of having being raped it's about a culture it's about that is what and a actually, culture like is. in terms of like in the last guilty feminist about weinstein mm. and everything one of the questions at the end was someone said have you on the panel got like any ideas of what we can do if men are sleazy to us at work mm. and stuff like that and there were loads of great suggestions but my thought was exactly that like can we not reclaim it and be like all right harvey if someone's touching mm. our knee what, yeah. what do you recommend? I think can't a Harvey become like a slang term for like yeah. someone who's in any way Harvey. like a little bit patronising yeah. or handsy or anything that encompasses the whole culture. In fact, the broader we make it, the less kind of, um, I don't know, I feel like the more power it, mm, we take it from I mean, it. I think the problem is, is, well, obviously it's several fold, but first of all, the issue with someone like Ian maybe is that he doesn't know what it's like to experience that and he can't imagine what it's like to mm. constantly be wary of what's someone going to say to me because I don't know if you have that but I certainly do and I, I get a mixture of approaches and one is someone that's nice to me initially so they can then be horrible to me like two minutes down the line cool. you know and also I get so many people appearing to be nice on the surface and then appearing to be underhand and in a way it's kind of sexual bullying and Mm. it's expecting women to be so humiliated by it that they'll be kind of speechless and they won't know what to do I mean for example just very briefly I was comparing like um, an advertising awards a couple of years ago and this one advertising agency kept winning everything I was gently taking the piss (laughs) out of them basically and the CEO came up at the end to get the overall award and I handed it over to him and as he shook my hand he said very quietly I was knew you weren't funny but I never realized what a cunt you were um oh my like God. we're on stage in the in, you know in this in the Grosvenor House Hotel it's oh really glittering God. oh my and God. then it was the end of the night and I think he just thought I was going to like carry that back with me and so I thought, fuck that, you know, that yeah. is really not on. So I said to the audience, thanks to everyone, you've all been great, apart from, then I said his name, and apart from him, because this is what he just said to me, and I told them what oh, I said. Yeah. And, you know, they... Wow. Because he didn't really think you would. He thought you'd no, go away yeah, and cry. I would go away, and I'd be so humiliated 
that I've been called a cunt by someone as marvellous as him. Um, <laughs> but, you know, because I wouldn't make a fuss. And actually, the audience, they, they were, they were really, really shocked. And I think that's wow. good that they were. But actually, what happened afterwards, that loads of people that work for him came up and said to me, no, he's the cunt. And um, he sounded well, like he was a really unpleasant boss to work for, particularly for women. He was just a bully, you know. And I think the problem, the, the thing is you've got to call people out at the time. And it's yeah. really hard to do because you are made to feel mm-hmm. like yeah. a fool. You well, know. I felt really sick because this came back today, this email, and I did feel sick. And I thought, I wish I hadn't done this the night before the show. Like, now I've got to kind of go to the show and I felt a bit punched because it was a very long email. It was much longer than that. It went into a lot of detail about how, what he'd been doing this weekend, including sort of what? interviewing what? yeah, interviewing a feminist who makes clitoris jewellery or something. And, oh, you know, that God. Basically, he runs with feminists all the time and they're not like me. And I, and I just felt really... It was really, really long. Mine was quite pithy. Mine was Is like, he a feminist this, in the this. same way that Hugh Hefner was? I, it feels a bit like that, doesn't it's, it? It's, yeah, it's not, it's not entirely clear to me, but I did feel a bit... You know, when you get sort of something very aggressive and, mm. you know, basically saying it's people like you that put men off feminism, I'm like, well, if men are put off feminism by hearing anything that's about themselves personally and not about other men, then, then it's not yeah. feminism, is it? You never intended to be a feminist. You only wanted to play at feminism. And that's the same as if a person of colour says to me... You know, you say you're an ally, but what about this? If I go, oh, well, they're taking it too far. You're putting white people off Black Lives Matter now. <laughs> you know, like, it's no good. Like, you can't... And so it just did make me feel a bit sick. And I think that is the problem of calling these things when they happen. But I love your bravery of doing that. Did the organisers say anything about it? Were they got a chuff that you did or they didn't say anything I don't think so. I don't think they were chuffed, but, you know... Well, shit, if, really. if I was a woman, I want a hell of an organiser to be like really chuffed about that fucking controversial <laughs> bit at the end. Just imagine it might have really upset one of the most wealthy and powerful people here. <laughs> I don't know why. I just suddenly imagined it was a female organiser. Yeah, of course. And I not? imagine if I was organising that, how like, thrilled Woo-hoo! I'd be. And of course, you yeah. know. Um, <laughs> Guilty Feminists, this is Deborah Francis-White from The Guilty Feminist, briefly interrupting your podcast listening to let you know that The Guilty Feminist live shows are sold out now till the end of the year, but we're putting new ones on sale soon. In the meantime, you could come and see me at Global Pillage. There are a few tickets left for the November 18th show at King's Place at 4pm on a Saturday. In the cast will be David Baddiel, Zoe Coombs-Ma, Athena Cableno, Nat Atsima, Izzy Lawrence and Phil Wang. So please get tickets for that now king's place november 18th 4 p.m a lovely matinee show also you can come and see me in conversation at standard issue at leicester square theater in london in conversation with sarah milliken and some other fantastic women on the 14th of december get tickets now while you can come and say hi afterwards And if you would like to listen to Loud Voices, which is our Guilty Feminist scripted project, then go to loudvoices.libsen with a Y dot com. And this week, could I direct you to Bisha Kayali's 
Haunt Hunters, a half-hour scripted comedy about two paranormal investigators. And while you're there, you might like to listen to Dark Ages, which is a half-hour audio sitcom by me. Please check it out. And now back to the podcast. Please welcome to the stage the fabulous Deborah Francis White. those of you who've listened to last week's podcast know, luckily, just before I went on stage, there was an open letter from the men of Hollywood uh, released <laughs> online, uh, which I read out. And uh, I am delighted to say that just 10 minutes before I came on stage tonight, the gentleman of Westminster also <laughs> released an open letter. Uh, so, that, I mean, it's just the timing is amazing. Um, so I'd like to read it to you because I think it's important that we do hear their response. We, the gentlemen of Westminster, are horrified to discover that sexual harassment has taken place in the hallowed halls of the House of Commons, an institution which evolved in the 13th century and welcomed women in at the earliest opportunity, which is to say 1919. (laughs) All women had to do to get the vote was go through the usual constitutional procedures, plus a little light bombing, arson, imprisonment and hunger strikes, But it's good to jump through a few hoops so we know you're serious. And when you girls had made your point and served in all the traditionally male roles previously denied you with spirit and skill during World War I, and we didn't want all the business with the bombing and shrieking and throwing yourself under horses hysterically again to start up, so we gave the vote to all of you who were over 30 and married, that is to say already owned by a chap, and already had a bit of dosh in the bank while we gave it to all men who were men at the same time. To be utterly fair to us, we weren't in a position to give it to all of you because otherwise, given the death toll from the war, you'd have outnumbered us. And more women than men isn't equality, is it? Equality is one woman on a panel. (laughs) You've got a spot and what are you complaining about? As long as the girl you put forward for the job can hold her end up and play like one of the boys, there really shouldn't be any fuss or bother. Anyway, so much has changed in the 99 years that you've been able to have a go at the whole voting malarkey. There are lady folk all over the house now. Sometimes you'd think it was Selfridges on a midweek afternoon with all the the handbags and chat and intoxicating perfume in the hallways. And many of us did anticipate this would cause problems with some of the more humorless ones. You can't put Harriet Harperson and some of the randier public school chaps in the same sack and shake them all about and not expect a hand on a knee to be misinterpreted by somebody. (laughs) Having said that, some of the lasses are invaluable. As Charlie was saying just this morning, if his lovely PA didn't remember his wife's birthday, they'd be hell to pay. And what's feminism if it's not one girl remembering another girl's birthday to keep a chap out of trouble? It's important to remember that much of the sexual chatter that's gone on has been pretty low-level stuff. And if a 19-year-old lass doesn't want to receive sexual text messages when applying for a job, she should probably be a girl Friday for one of the lady MPs. Andrea Ledson is looking for a new girl to release her confidential complaints. Maybe that would suit her better. Personally, most of us have avoided the debacle of not getting all worked up over our young helpers by employing our nieces or daughters. Which is where nepotism, often derided, can come in very handy. (laughs) All in all, it might be better to stick to hiring chaps, which is what we said before 1918. 
after all, it was you who wanted to change things. Does that clear things up? If not, perhaps we can have a little drink at the House of Commons bar and discuss it further. Wear that low-cut blouse we like, won't you? The gentleman of Westminster. through your career Joe is it recent that you've sort of started taking a stand on these things or have you always been someone who's done that no I feel like I've always been someone that's done that you know and actually as a stand-up there are some really truly appalling kind of incidents Mm. in my life and in yours I would imagine because as soon as people get drunk and especially at places like the comedy store which has a very kind of macho element on a Friday night when you have stag nights like guys just say and do the most appalling things and not just that it's threatening as well you know so I've always battled against it and um I've actually been hit a few times on stage hit yeah and had beer thrown over me and that was I had been slapped around the face as well and that was because the guy that I directed my put down at whose mates then laughed at him was just so unable to deal with the fact that he'd been put down by a woman and mm. everyone was laughing at him, that he resorted to violence, mm. you know. Fucking hell. But that's why I think nearly all of it is about power. It's not really about sex. When it's sexual harassment, no. it's about them wanting to change you. And that's what I always think about if someone catcalls or somebody... Sh- or slags off your appearance. Shouts at or you or any of those things. They want to see a change in you. So my response is always to get really breezy and businesslike. If a man sexually harasses me in the street, my comeback is, um, well, that's a terribly kind offer and I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> and that seems like... It just, How does it's, that work? It's, well, it sort of flattens them. It's like they've offered me Tupperware. <laughs> and it hasn't changed me. It hasn't affected me. I haven't got angry, so they can't call me a bitch and a whore. I haven't gone, oh, no. I haven't said anything that might be like a flirt so they can continue. I've just basically said, what you've said, I don't want, but it hasn't affected me, it hasn't changed my day. And I think it's the same in the club. But in the club, you've got the microphone. And it, yeah, what the story it Jess is... told is a similar story, that it's the fury well, of a woman in charge. He, he was shaking he was with rage. And he was, yeah, well. he was, a, he, that, that guy was a foot away from me, and I was like, he's going to hit. But I didn't yeah. feel, actually, I didn't feel that scared of that wasn't a huge guy. But I thought he's going to... What I really thought was going to happen is this is where he's going to call me something horrible about what I look like or whatever. Like, this is where that's going to come in. And then the whole thing of my... The rest of my time up here is going to have to be about him. And actually, in a way, almost what your... One of your jobs on stage when that happens is to deal with it in a way that's hopefully funny as well. I mean, that mm. added but layer that, of that. Yeah, but and the, that, but I they, find, the longer I'm in stand-up, the less of a fuck I give whether yeah, the response no, is quite. funny if yeah. it shuts it down. And actually now, I probably, depending on my mood, <laughs> give it a few goes, get, getting it all finished and quietened with humour, and then actually be like, do you want to fuck off? Yeah, no. I don't think there's any shame in just going, oh, fuck this, and walking well, off. I mean, I did... Yeah. We've got Christmas coming up. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, God. Exactly. Bollocks, can't be bothered. But um, <laughs> I did jonglers once, years ago, and there was a lovely table of dentists who were on a stag night, right? <laughs> and they were God. really, really pissed. And at one point, one of them stood on the table got his cock out and just (gasps) shouted, suck my cock, you fucking bitch. And I just said, oh, for fuck's sake, I can't be arsed with this. And I walked off, right? And the guy that ran the place at the time said to me, 
Uh, you've come off two minutes early. I'm going to drop your pay. No. How supportive. Thank no. you. No. They've just gone bust, by the way. a dentist, did you say? D- a dentist. It really surprises me that a dentist would do that. Why? <laughs> I just think... I just would think a more sophisticated heckle. I just think... <laughs> just, it seems very... Oh, God, once they've had a few pints. Jess, do you have a challenge that you want to do? I did do a challenge. I heard the last podcast, some brilliant Me Too stuff. I'd already done some Me Too stuff on Facebook and joined in. I want this to lead to real change. I had two really notable incidences ever of Me Too for me, and I found out contact details for both of them and got in touch with them and told them what I remember. One of them responded and responded with possibly the kindest, most compassionate response I could possibly have ever dreamed of saying thank you for bringing it to his attention. Do you mind if I forward it to this journalist? This is more what I was hoping for. <laughs> Genuinely, this guy saying, I, you're right, I don't remember anything of that. Let's lead this to change. If you want to keep on talking about it, fine. If you don't, just know that I take full responsibility even though I don't remember a thing. Like, wow. Mm. Um, well, that's yeah. great. That. Because I think calling it whether or not they write back and say you've ruined feminism for everyone like in my case or they write back saying I take full responsibility and you know I'll think that's true to be honest I wouldn't have cared if neither of them I mean I actually desperately hope the other one doesn't get in contact I think there's a situation with these things where everyone's got so many instances of stuff happened to them that wasn't cool so you said in that last podcast about saying not cool I just wanted to say to them both not cool because I think there's so much stuff and the culture that I was in in my teens and 20s I think so many things happen to people that one party in those instances won't even remember it because they were so hammered. And I think that's a culture that's going to change. I've got a tiny toddler son, and I really hope, actually, that this means that this huge waves of stuff that's happening now, I hope it carries on and carries on and builds and builds, and that by the time he's my age, that his generation won't have as many stories like this mm. because they'll just be so much more aware of how you do or don't behave with other people. Yeah, I feel it's changing. Do you feel it's changing, Joe? Do you feel it's... Oh, yeah, be- very much so. I mean, I've got two daughters who are 15 and 16 and the way that they don't put up with any shit compared to mm. how things were when I was at school just is fantastic, you know, and that seems to be across the board with them. They go to, like, a very normal kind of secondary school, and there are kind of issues of some boys kind of just treating the girls there really badly, but there's a huge kind of raft of girls who just won't have it, and I think good for them yeah. it's amazing and yeah, are you, it's do you feel you're able to kind of take all of the wisdom from your life I would say psychiatric nursing and stand up comedy are two of the most extreme sports <laughs> you, can, you can enter into and the fact that you've managed to do both and be very successful in both have you been able to kind of package what you know and give it to them do you think that's one of the reasons they don't take any shit is that you've taught them not to yeah I mean I hopefully it is but also I think it's just a general kind of change in society really and I think what's so powerful for them despite the fact that everyone says oh you know there are sort of awful elements to it is online social networking and all that sort of thing because I think What's great now is that women feel they have a collective voice because they can get in touch with each other in a way that we couldn't, you know, in... Completely, and we can tell each other, we can warn each other, we can... 
And I think that's what this podcast is. It's like an army of women. And I think a lot of the success of the podcast is, in fact, not to take anything away from us, but it's the audience. Because people at home hear the audience laughing. (laughs) It's true. And that sounds like an army to them. And it sounds like, yeah, other women, every time they laugh, other women recognise it. Oh, I'm not the only one. So if you're being sexually harassed at work, a woman wrote to me and said, I listen to the podcast and I listen to certain episodes over and over to give myself the courage to go to HR and I took all the emails my boss had been writing me for a year or two sexually harassing me and handed them in I got the courage up to do it but she said I wouldn't have got the courage up without the podcast and I honestly think if this was the three of us in a studio without that audience going us too that is what the power of it is anyway she went in and he got suspended immediately oh that's um, fucking brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. 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 What do you think we can do collectively? You know, it's not women's job to solve sexual harassment, clearly. But what are things that we can do to kind of take power now it's come to the fore in the way that it has? Well, the issue that I've always had, the two groups I'm interested in are women who kind of side with this sort of, oh, it's all very trivial and what are they making a fuss about? That group of women but also the group of men who you would assess as kind of decent human beings who just stand by and let the raft of men at the top who behave really badly do that without saying anything. And I, to me, they're the ones that you need to motivate, you know, and get them going. So I think if there was some sort of drug you could inject into them... <laughs> I'm not sure hypnol is the answer to sexism, in a way. No, I'm I'm thinking more something that... kind of like compassion serum. But also PMT serum as well, (laughs) you know, that would make them kind of want to to defend women a bit more. I was was surprised by Ian, because I think if Ian was in a scenario where that was going on, he wouldn't allow it to carry on and no. he wouldn't think it was okay. He would do something, you know. And yet he was on TV saying, oh, it's all a fuss it's about a bit nothing. Level. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 did it, has he said anything since to you? Do you think he sort of recognised that that wasn't. Uh, no, I mean, you know, after the show, it's all a bit... Blah, 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 and, you know, someone goes, oh, can you say hello to my mum and can I have a picture for my auntie whose hair fell out and stuff like that, you know? And it's all... So you never really get a chance to... That's not true. It's just an example. Um, but, you know, you don't get a chance, chance to, to kind But he of hasn't individual... texted you or anything like that? No, he hasn't, no, And said, no. oh, I saw it went a bit viral, yeah. Well done, yeah. I've seen the light. No, he hasn't, no. He hasn't had his road to Damascus moment. And that whole thing I can't bear is that, haven't you got a sense of humour? Oh, yeah. No, I haven't about someone grabbing my arse, weirdly. You know? No, Um, completely. It's that thing, and I think it's, it's what you did, it's what you're describing, I think it's that taking the time to explain... I, even I, even it, like you did in that email, like you did on that show. Like it, you did when you wrote to those guys. It's sort of even if the they don't listen, and that's how you yeah. crack those groups. That's like I have a friend's mum who was like, well, if they wanted to get cast in those films, you do what you've got to do. And you're like, I think you think you're being funny, but it's hot. You know, but unless you stop and explain, no, 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 I'm not going to laugh at that because it, think about what you're saying. Like, unless you engage with these people, take that time, even if they're not going to listen to, if every time they say something like that, there's someone there who tries to engage them in a constructive explanation or conversation about it then eventually something has to sink I mean, in I, yeah i do think it's nice on occasion to make the grand gesture though you know <laughs> i once got shouted at out of a white van my fave 
when I was shopping in Oxford Street, three young guys in a white van, oh, fuck off, you fat loser, you know, all this sort of thing. And uh, I said, oh, fuck it. And I just went and ripped their windscreen wipers off. <laughs> that, they'll remember that, you know. I don't do that very often. Oh. Yeah. Because it's now, been, normally I would yes, say the guilty please. feminist does not endorse a destruction of property, but on this occasion I would say it does. Um, <laughs> Jessica Foster Q, do you have anything to plug? Yes, I'm going on tour in February, March ish, 2018, with my show, The Silence of the Nans. Um, uh, I'm starting a podcast called Hoovering about eating. Uh, look out for that early next year, 2018. And my Twitter is at Jessica Foster Q. Can, can Joe and I come on that? Because that sounds I'm like right up our begging streets. You. I'm just, I'm, I'm making an assumption there, but I want to yeah, go on any podcast too. about food. <laughs> yes, food. <laughs> me will too. Will there be food? There will be food. Well, right. there, if Let's go. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Joe, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, I've got a film coming up, actually. Oh, fancy. Matron. I know, I wrote the script cause it, uh, from the novel, what I wrote as well. And uh, it's been knocking around for donkey's years, right? And it was originally commissioned by the BBC. And would you believe the woman that commissioned it moved on and the man that moved into her job didn't like it? Oh, so, you know, it's a huge it. surprise. So it has actually finally been made. Ooh. And um, it's coming out in January. It's called The More You Ignore Me. It's about two women in the same family that are obsessed with the Smiths. It's set in the 1980s and it oh. really centres around kind of rural poverty and, and mental health issues. It's a comedy. And, <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. And is that on telly or a cinema? No, it's at the cinema. Oh, the cinema. Oh, yeah. we have to have a guilty feminist outing to that. So it's starring Sheridan Smith, who's brilliant. fantastic oh. in it. Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask who's in it. Okay, great. Are you in it at all? Yes, but people think I'm in it because I demanded to be in it and I elbowed a proper actor out of the way. And I really didn't because they asked me. The director said can you change this character who's a man to a woman and play her? And oh. I said, okay. Weirdly, this woman is an ex-psychiatric nurse work- <laughs> working as a news agent, so it's a bit oh. of a stretch. Oh. <laughs> but you're a proper actor. You were in Getting On. Yeah. That's not proper acting. Oh, it was definitely it was. proper acting. I thought it was a brilliant show. That's... I always thought of it as EastEnders acting, you know, where you just play yourself and you can't play anything else. <laughs> I, I'm excited. So the movie is called... The More You Ignore Me. The More Amazing. You Ignore Me, and it's out in January. Mm-hmm. And if you tell us, we will say on the podcast where we're all going to go on the opening weekend, because that's, Brilliant. Unique, that's, that's what makes it extend. Something to look forward to in January. Yes, and I look, so few women get to make films. There's so few mm. women write screenplays that get made. Loads of women write screenplays, but due to... Horrendous sexism and the patriarchy. Not and men, oh, and look, really, really made. quickly. Can I just say the second series of Damned, which is about mm. social workers, is coming out in January as well. And that had two female writers, a female director, and a female producer. So wow. we're really amazing, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, I'm writing those down. Um, and I should say a male writer, or Will will be angry with me, and he'll bring me up. But it, do you know what? Record. We've said enough about male writers. You're fine. Um, <laughs> You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Jessica Mustaku, and our very special guest, Joe Brand. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selitsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Jacob, Sally, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com.
absolutely can't wait for the letter from the gentleman of Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I'm not Harry Potter enough to do it.